0: Well, good morning, Capital Community Church, Beijing. Are you glad to be in the house today? (laughs) Morning, Doug. Um, I'd like to give you a a, a special warm welcome to those who are returning um, back to Beijing after a while. We've been out for six weeks uh, in Europe, and uh, it's so good to be back. It's so good to be back in the family, uh, here to, to share today. I'm excited about what God is doing, excited about the message that God's put on my heart for the church. And I particularly believe that this message is for those who are here for the first time. Maybe you've just arrived in the last few weeks, and you've, you've been sent to Beijing, you've arrived, the boxes have unpacked, and now you're thinking, now what? Maybe you're wondering uh, why God chose to send you to Beijing in the first place. Maybe you're questioning why God sent you. Let me tell you, God did send you to Beijing. The fields are white unto harvest just now. And God has a plan and purpose for you in being here. So I hope this message resonates particularly with you today. But we are, of course, in Olympic season. And so uh, now is as good a time as any to, to check the medal table. Um, let's see how we're doing, shall we? Have we, have, we got, have we got a picture of the medals, Josh? And... You will notice from this that there's a tiny country doing quite well, there we go, tiny country of 68 million people, doing well up there, our brothers in the US, they're doing quite well too, yes, our favorite colony, no, 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 I told you the jokes would be the same as last time and and they weren't funny then and they're not funny now, are they? Um, but let me, le- let me let you into a secret, because uh, the reason we do well at the Olympics, if you take a very close look, um, Britain is very good at sports where you have to sit down. <laughs> we are a nation of people who love to sit down. We conquer the world sitting down, and then after it's all finished, we love to drink a cup of tea to celebrate. So all the sports we've done well in are things like cycling, canoeing, Horses, boats, sailing, anywhere where you have to sit down. Um, (laughs) So, we need some prayer this morning, don't we? Should we pray before we come around God's word? Father, I thank you for the life which is contained in your word, the life in your gospel. I pray today that the words that you speak will encourage us, they will change us, they will transform us. They will reveal something of yourself to us. And I pray that, especially for those in the room today who feel far from you, I pray that you'll draw close to them and reveal yourself to them as your Lord and Savior. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. And the the word um, the, the word has two renderings in, in, the, in the Greek. The, the first word is logos. And Logos means the written word, the written word of God. And the second meaning, the second word uh, is rhema. And rhema means the fresh anointed word of God. And uh, let me give you some examples. So in uh, John's gospel, uh, the word became flesh. That's logos. The written word became flesh. The flesh uh, that became the son of God, Jesus. Whereas if you look at Mary, for example... Mary, before really she was a woman, she was a young girl, when the angel of the Lord came to her and said, unto you a son will be born. You will give birth to Emmanuel, the saviour of the world. This was a prophetic word that Mary received. And she, in some fear and trembling, wondered what that, what that would look like. And her response is very interesting. She says, so let it be according to your word according to your rhema and so my prayer is today that the word gets a hold of your life that you hear the lo- you you read the logos uh, as we've just heard it and God adds his holy spirit to that and the words then jump off the page to you and you think that's what God's trying to tell me that's that's what God is saying to me in this now moment so for those of you who, who are here and you're wondering why has God called me to Beijing maybe you've taken a very long journey to get here Maybe it's been a very hard physical journey. Maybe it's been a lot of effort. Maybe you've had to say goodbye to friends and family, your your home church, and you're sad about that. You're wondering what it is God has for you here. I feel God is saying to you people, the rhema word of God for you is that your physical journey here may have been very difficult but your spiritual journey will be light. I will carry you, your spiritual journey. Jesus says, and and it's amazing that no one else has ever said these words ever in the whole of history, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Maybe it's not a comfortable place for you to be, but can I tell you this? God does not, Jesus did not come to comfort the troubled. He came to trouble the comfortable. And if you are interested in your spiritual growth, then you're in exactly the right place. I can tell you from my own experience uh, in Beijing that I don't feel I've grown so much in the last three years in any other time of my Christian walk. Because God just brings you around some amazing people in this family of CCC. He teaches us things. And I love the, the, the songs that Doug led with this morning. It's almost the whole sermon, to be honest, so I can sit down in a minute. Um, he's called us out onto the water, into the deep. And he's calling us into, out of our comfort zones, into new, into new areas of life and areas of ministry. So be encouraged. Uh, you are here for a purpose, uh, you're here for a reason, and you're here as part of God's plan. And hopefully today the rhema word of God will speak to you and you'll see what it is that God is calling you to. So I want to speak on the topic of making disciples. And the scripture that we read, uh, that that we just had read, is Matthew 28, the Great Commission. And famous last words. We should always take note of people's last words as they're departing the earth or maybe after they've they've gone. There's some, some words written on the headstones. I saw one headstone recently that said, I told you I was ill. Which is amazing. Um, But anyway, these are Jesus' last words uh, before he ascends into heaven. And his last words are so important as he's sharing with the disciples. He says, He says this All authority on earth and in heaven has been given to me. Therefore, now, friends, whenever you see a therefore, you should ask what it's there for. "'Because all authority under heaven and earth "'has been given to me,' says Jesus, "'I am now commissioning you,' he says, "'to go,' can you say go? "'And make disciples of all nations, "'baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, "'and of the Holy Spirit, "'and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. "'And surely,' says Jesus, "'in this wonderful promise that he makes, "'I will be with you till the very end of the age.'" Now, let's look at two of those words in particular making disciples. It's a, it's a strange phrase that Jesus uses. We have a program in England called MasterChef. Uh, I was privileged to watch MasterChef in England over the last few weeks. It's where, and the celebrity version, they get these celebrities and they cook these amazing dishes. And then they present them and then they're, they're judged. Well, the winning dish recently was something called hake souffle with bourbon sauce. Now I have no idea what that is, never mind being able to eat it, I no clue. And So I couldn't even make it, and I sense that sometimes we're like that when we're called to make disciples. What does making a disciple mean? How do we make disciples? What does a disciple of Christ look like? And that's what I want to look at in the Word today. Um, Jesus doesn't ask us to do many things in the Word. He asks us to do, in Matthew 10, we read that he asks us to heal the sick. He asks us to raise the dead. He asks us to cast out demons. And here, in the Great Commission, he says, Go and make disciples of all nations. These are the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's have a look at the the call of the first disciples. Uh, The first time that Jesus uses this phrase, and the first time that we see God, Jesus, calling people to himself. This is the call of discipleship. I loved the worship when it brought out in the first two songs, the call across the water. Jesus is calling you. Maybe you think there's no purpose to me being here at all, God's not going to use me. I just want to get through the next few years and then move on. No, no, no. God has called you to his purposes. He's called you out into the deep, out of our comfort zones. And he's going to do something amazing with your faith as you've responded to him. Let's look at the call of the first disciples, Peter, James, and John. Just, just put yourself in that situation for a few moments. They're having an ordinary day. It's just another day, they're fishing. Were they good fishermen? I don't know. Sometimes they caught things, quite often they didn't seem to catch very much at all. Like when they let the nets out into the deep and there was, there was nothing there. They were ordinary men, working men. And this was just another day for them. They get out of the boat, they take their cast of fish They sell their fish, they get their fapiao, they take the fapiao to Matthew, the tax collector. They pay their taxes, they go back, and they do the same thing day after day after day. Maybe you feel your life is like that. It's the same thing day after day after day after day. And it's just routine, and it's hard. Life in the flesh... Life in the law is hard. Have you ever been stuck in a rut? Does anybody here have been stuck in a rut? Am I the only one? Where nothing seems to move in the right direction. We've got this same problem, we've got the same issues and nothing seems to move. We cannot get out of the situation that, that we're in. Whether that is a financial debt or whether it's a sickness problem or a disagreement with a family member. Whatever it is, we're stuck in a rut and we can't move forward. Well, I want to tell you today that if we change our perspective and live by the Spirit and walk by the Spirit, I'll explain what that means in a minute, then the problems are still there, but we get a different perspective. We get uh, God's perspective on the situation, and then everything changes. When these fishermen meet Jesus, everything changes. When I look in the Scriptures... I often think that Jesus should have had a marketing guy alongside him. He says things like this. He says, take up your cross and follow me. This is his call to discipleship. If it was me there, I'd be sort of saying, Jesus, look, we could present this a little bit better. Why don't you talk about the benefits of being in the kingdom? Why don't you talk about the eternal life? Why don't you talk about healing? Why don't you talk about financial provision for every need? Why don't you talk about life in the Spirit and life with God the Father? Life in heaven for eternity. Even John the Baptist questions what's going on just before he goes to prison. He turns around and says, is everything okay? Is this part of the plan that I'm, I'm, I'm in prison? And Jesus sends word to him. He says, yes, this is part of the plan. A day later, John the Baptist's head is, is cut off. You see, Jesus' idea of a good plan is maybe not the same as mine. The kingdom functions differently. You're here because of the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God needs you here. We're not here for our own comfort and our own satisfaction. We're here because the kingdom of God needs you here to be serving him. So the disciples are called. And what does Jesus say? He says just these amazing few words on the slide. He says, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He reaches down to where they're at and he takes their life as it is and he shows them a different life. Come and I will make you fishers of men. Let me just go back one slide. So I want to ask three questions today. What does a disciple of Christ look like? If our calling is to make disciples of all nations, who are you discipling? And who is discipling you there is a a brilliant model that scripture gives us in the book of uh, Thessalonians and Thessalonians is written by the apostle Paul he's the uh, apostle to the Gentiles I think um, nearly everybody in this room although we're from different parts of the world um, Europe, Asia, America Australia do we have anybody from anywhere else? Africa? We're from all over the world, one thing that we all have in common probably is that we're all Gentiles. We're all non-Jewish, It's my guess. And Paul speaks to us as our apostle, He's apostle to the Gentiles. And he lays out a fantastic model for how we can make disciples um, in 1 Thessalonians, when he speaks to the church, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and chapter 2 is what we're going to have a quick look at now. Paul, Silas and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. After a very long and boring sermon, the parishioners of a church, um, they said nothing, they just filed out the church, they said nothing to the preacher. And Towards the end of the line, there's a really thoughtful person outside who always commented on the sermons. Um, Pastor, today your sermon reminded me of the peace and the love of God. So, of course, the preacher was thrilled because no one had ever said anything like that about his preaching before. Um, Tell me why. So the man says, because it endured forever. (laughs) Well, you don't have to endure me forever. Um... I want to look at what Paul is saying here. He's talking about thanking God for one another and praying for mentioning you in our prayers. Thankfulness and prayer are are the first things that Paul asks us to do uh, through Thessalonians for the people that we are discipling. Who are you discipling and who is discipling you? We should be able to answer both those questions as we are making disciples of all nations. This is how we disciple people. I thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. Intercessionary prayer. We pray for the people that we are discipling and we thank God for them. Sometimes it's difficult to thank God, isn't it? Sometimes it's easy to focus on our situations and our difficulties and to moan and to, to grumble. I know that's certainly true for me. Maybe, maybe for some of you too. But we can thank God for breathing. Doug, in the, in the worship there, there was, there was a song that says, the very breath that I have is from, is from Jesus, from God. We can thank God that we are vertical and ventilating this morning, amen? amen. And awake, hopefully, <laughs> we're vertical, we're breathing, and that means God can use us, we're available. So Paul says, thank you. For all of you, continually mentioning you in our prayers. We remember before you, our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, your endurance inspired by hope and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is giving a very big encouragement to us as people, as the church, and how much we need encouragement. Does anybody else need encouragement today? An enthusiasm that comes from that encouragement. Enthusiasm in the Greek means entheos, it means God within. God is within us. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. So when you wake up in the morning and you think this is just another day, I've got to get through. No, 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 no. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon you, says Isaiah 61. He has anointed you to do what? To preach the good news. The good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of the gospel. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you to anoint, has anointed you to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. Paul goes on to say, for we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. So Paul is encouraging and validating our position, our Legal standing in Jesus as righteous before him. And he says, you have been chosen. You're here because God wants you to be here. Because our gospel came to you not through words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. How many of you feel sometimes you're in a rat race? You go to work, and... It's just a rat race, isn't it, sometimes? People climbing all over each other to get to the next position, to get to the next hierarchy, the next rung in the career ladder. Maybe that's been your story up to now. you've, You've been climbing the ladder, but the ladder's, you've suddenly got to the top maybe, and the ladder's against the wrong wall, and you realize you should have been on a different wall. And yet to go up in the kingdom, we need to go down first. God says he opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. You know, if you're in the rat race, can I tell you to get out of the rat race? Because if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. Amen? There's a story of a Second World War pilot and he's limping home um, after the battle and the plane may not make it it's touch and go. And he looks back, this was in the days when um, pilots were pilots and uh, not in charge of computers. Uh, there was an aileron cable uh, used to control the, 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 the plane and keep it up in the air. And he looked back and he saw a rat chewing through the, the aileron cable. And he knew that if the rat could chew through the cable, then it was all over. The plane would go would go down. Suddenly he has some inspiration. He realizes that if he climbs, then there's less oxygen for the rat to breathe. And so he lifts the plane up. Up, 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 up the plane goes. And slowly the rat dies. And the plane is safe. And I think that's a wonderful analogy for us that as we deal with the rat race, deal with the problems that we're, the problems of the world, the, prob- the problems and challenges that this world has. We can soar like eagles. We can soar on eagles' wings. As the prophet Isaiah says, those that wait upon the Lord will rise like eagles. They shall not grow weary. They will renew their strength. Leave the rat race. Soar with the Holy Spirit. Follow Jesus. Jesus says, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Paul goes on to say, our gospel came with power, with power, with the Holy Spirit, with deep conviction. Listen to this verse. Write this verse down. This is a key to discipling one another. In verse 6, you know how we lived among you. For whose sake? For my sake? No, no, for your sake. Paul says, we lived among you. How amazing would it be if we have this attitude as we disciple one another, as we celebrate community, being a community church, a community of believers who love each other, who care for each other. Paul says, we lived among you for your sake. We are here for you in this community. Don't ever feel that you're alone. And that's especially for those people who are here and have just joined, just coming today, or just here in Beijing for the first time in the last few months. Don't ever feel that you're alone. You have a wonderful family of believers, of brothers and sisters who are here for you. And this is the way we want to disciple people at Capital Community Church. This is our model. This is our, the the challenge that Paul is laying out here is how we want to disciple each other in CCC. He says, we lived among you for your sake. What happened? We became imitators of us and the Lord for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. The word imitate there in the Greek means an exact copy you know, sometimes if you fax a document and then that document gets faxed, it gets copied, it gets copied. The quality of that copy gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Well this isn't, this isn't the meaning of that Greek word. It means that Paul and the Thessalonians were so modeling the behavior of Christ that people were becoming like Jesus. As they followed Jesus, they inherited his nature, his characteristics, his thinking. They became like Jesus. That's our goal as disciples. Disciple means to follow, to be a pupil. And so we're becoming pupils and followers of Jesus. We become imitators of the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering. As Rick said earlier, we are in the midst of severe suffering in this world today. Severe poverty. Severe needs. Both in China and outside of China. And we have the opportunity, the glorious opportunity, as the church here in Shenyi to model to this city, to make disciples, to show the world there is a better way, to show the world of the power of the gospel. Someone once said, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. It's our actions, it's our love for one another that will define us and will characterize us as disciples of Jesus. Paul goes on to say, we became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Archaea. The Lord's message, does this work? Look at the next verse. The Lord's message rang out from, from you, not only in Macedonia and Archaea. Your faith in God has become known where? Everywhere. As we disciple one, one, one another at CCC, the gospel will ring out, not just in Beijing, not just Shunyi, but everywhere as we send disciples into all parts of the world. Therefore, we do not even need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. This is all about hospitality. It's all about loving, nurturing, and caring for each other. This is how Paul discipled the the, the church in Thessalonians it led to a radical transformation of the lives of the Thessalonian church you can see that in the next verse in verse 9 they tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God the church before them was in a mess they were serving idols idolatry is where you place something above God above, you, you worship a created thing Rather than the Creator, it could be money, it could be your job, it could be, um, it could be anything. It could be family, it could be a relationship. You place something more important than than God. That's idolatry. And through the through the discipleship that Paul is talking about here, the people turned from idols and they turned to God to serve the living and true God to wait for the Son from heaven who He raised from the dead. Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. So let me just pick out a few key phrases in Thessalonians uh, that help us to disciple one another and make disciples. First of all, we need to thank God and pray for the people that we're discipling. That helps us to become a model for all believers, and the Lord's message will ring out as we do that. We lived among you for our own sake. For your own sake. We are here for you. Listen to this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. As a nursing mother looks after her children, so we walked with you. This is incredible, incredible devotion to making disciples. When you make anything, it's difficult, isn't it? You need you need effort, you need time, you need energy. And Paul is saying here that as a mother is looking after her children, so I am discipling you, so I am caring for you. The, nature, the nurturing nature of a mother. What does a mother do um, when she's looking after her children? She's up in the middle of the night. She's busy all the time, attending, caring for her children's needs. She's looking after their every need. And this is the, this is the image Paul gives uh, to us can we disciple each other as a mother looks after um, her children? He goes on to say, we worked night and day for you. Discipleship is hard. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Are you ready for the call of discipleship? Are you ready for some hard work? There's joy in the work though. He says, I worked for you day and night. If someone Needed you in the middle of the night, would you be there for them? Would you respond to a need? Church, we're looking for leaders, we're looking for shepherds, we're looking for people who can pastor and shepherd and lead people towards Jesus. Do you have a heart for that? Will you respond to the call and to the need for that in the church? Paul goes on to say in verse 17 of chapter 2, I had an intense longing to be with you. Paul loved to meet with people. We love to meet with people at CCC. This is why I'm excited about small groups, uh, because it gives us a chance to connect with one another and to have fellowship, to study together, to, to experience the word, to share testimony, to share life and do life together. preacher woke up um, on one Sunday morning and decided that he didn't want to share a message. Uh, He looked outside, he saw it was a beautiful day, and he decided to skip church and play golf. So he called uh, another leader in the church and said that he was feeling unwell, and he wouldn't go to church, and the the other minister said, don't worry, I I can deliver the sermon, You, you just rest and get better so the pastor drove 40 miles away so that nobody would see him and he wanted to avoid being spotted and as he was setting up uh, his first drive on the on the golf course jesus leaned over to god in heaven and said are you going to let him get away with that well, God told Jesus not to worry. He, was, he would handle it. Everything's in, in, in hand. And right as God said that, the preacher, he whacked the ball, and, and it was the drive of his life. It was an amazing drive. In fact, it was a hole in one. And the ball traveled 450 feet across the green, straight into the hole. And the preacher was ecstatic. He'd never had a hole in one before. And Jesus said to God, why would you let him do that? God said, because who's he going to tell? (laughs) You see, our achievements, if they're not aligned in the kingdom, they're, they're worthless. They're useless. Only when we bring our skills and our giftings to God, the Father, and allow him to use them in the kingdom, then our giftings become eternal. Proverbs tells us that a man's Gift makes room for him in the world and brings him before kings and great men. If you want your life to be significant, you have to bring your gifts to Jesus and you have to follow Jesus. And as you follow him, as he leads you, your lifestyle will change. Can I make this point? This room is full of um, fantastic leaders in the business world. Fantastic lions who just go out there and do amazing things in the business world. Well, it's also full of people who don't always bring their skills and talents into the house. You know, the first sin that Adam committed wasn't an intentional one. It was a sin of omission. As Eve took the apple and fell, Adam could have stopped it. He was watching all along. He was watching, and he said nothing. He did nothing to stop the sin happening. Brothers and sisters, all it takes for evil to triumph is for good men and good women to do nothing. And God is calling you as a champion in the business world, as a king or queen out there, Doing amazing things to bring the same talent, the same effort, the same enthusiasm into the house. There are some people who don't have time to meet with brothers and sisters. Can I tell you, if you're too busy to meet with your brothers and sisters, then you're too busy. Don't feel guilty, by the way, when I say these things. God's intention is that you don't feel guilty. God's intention is to transform us, to transform us into the likeness of Jesus and to bring your skills and talents in the house where they are so needed. I love Matthew Yeo's message a few weeks ago from the book of Haggai, where he says, my house is in ruins. Will you come and restore the house? We're not in ruins by any means, but when you bring your talents and your gifts and your skills that you use in the leadership on the workplace to the house, then we're going to take off. And so we're looking for small group leaders. We're looking for... We have a vision for a, a, a small group on every compound. In is God calling you today to be a leader, to help disciple people, to help make disciples, to use your gifts and talents for him? I pray that he is. It's so exciting when we bring our gifts and our talents to God and to his house. The next slide. Thank you. What does a disciple of Christ look like? I'm going to finish with this. You know that when a pastor and a preacher says... I'm going to close with this. You've probably got an hour to go um, the first time he says that. What does a disciple of Christ look like? I'm going to leave you with this image from Ezekiel chapter 1. It's an amazing image of um, a dream that uh, Ezekiel has. Um, He sees this incredible creature. It has wings, a huge wingspan. And it has a a figure at the top of this um, creature that has four faces. And you can pick it up from uh, verse 8. Under their wings, on the four sides, they had human hands. They had faces and wings. The wings of one touched the other, and each one went straight ahead. And inside this face, there are four faces. There's the face of an ox. There's the face of an eagle. There's the face of a man. And there's the face of a lion. Let me show you. What does this mean? This is what a disciple of Christ looks like. The lion, firstly, symbol of love, symbol of strength. The eagle is the national symbol of Germany and the United States. It's a symbol of leadership. It's a symbol of vision. It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit as well in the the Scriptures. This is what a, a disciple of Christ looks like. This is what we are working towards in our own walk, in our own journey as Christians We want to be strong. We want to show the strength of God through our own weakness, through our own failings. We want to be brave and powerful. God says to Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Take heart and be strong of good courage. Um, That's the face of the lion. We have the, the eagle flying along. Did you know an eagle has 20 times the sight of a human being? It can see a tiny mouse far, 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 far away as it's at the top, flying through the sky. What about the ox? What does an ox do? An ox works, an ox is a servant. An ox is a hard worker. An ox is known for their faithfulness. It's known as a pioneer. When an ox has a plow behind it, it goes through and it churns up the ground and it never leaves the ground the way it found it. You can always see where the ox has been. God is calling you to be pioneers. Why not start something? Why not start a group? Why not start a a, a ministry? As prophet Nike said, just do it. See what happens. Amazing things will happen when we start something in the spirit, when we start something in the will of God. Um, You know, the hardest thing to do is to, if you start something in your own strength, you have to sustain it in your own strength as well. And that's when we get tired. When we start something in God, we fly. It flows. We're like the the plane that soars, and we just fly above. We leave the rat race behind, and we soar like eagles. We do not grow weary. We keep our strength. Hardworking, pioneering, faith-filled people. This is what a, a complete disciple of Jesus looks like. I love the way the Old Testament always speaks about Jesus, don't you? I love the way the Old Testament communicates the vision to us and shows us more about Jesus. Whenever you're reading Scripture, you're reading Logos, ask God to tell you, what does this show me about Jesus today? What is this revealing about me? What's the rhema word for me right now? The rhema word for you right now is to make disciples of all nations. This is a fantastic inspiring calling that God has placed on us. There's no greater calling than this. You can be like the light. Maybe as you look at this picture, you think, I need help here. I need the Holy Spirit. I need to develop my leadership. I need to develop a servant heart. I need to be more hardworking. I need to be more faithful. I need to pioneer, as I have done in business. I need to bring those gifts and skills into the house. The fourth face is that of a man, compassion, humanity, caring nature, as Paul looks after us and the Thessalonians, as a mother and a father look after their children. Paul is calling us to the same. Do we have hearts of compassion? Ian recently spoke about moving our treasure to where our heart is. If we want to move our heart, we need to move our treasure. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. This is the picture of what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. It's so exciting. It's so wonderful. It's so incredible what God has for you here in this place. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. God, maybe you're thinking, well, I'm not qualified. Just as those disciples, when they were called by Jesus for the first time, they must have thought, they're not qualified They're fishermen. They're not qualified to go out and change the world, as they did. But let me tell you this. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. What does that mean? He takes you as you are. He calls you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And then he qualifies you and equips you for the tasks and the good works that are ahead of us. Amen. Amen. He's called you to some amazing experiences here in China. He's called you to reach the lost. He's called you to a life of purpose. To a mission. To his wonderful kingdom. There's no need to wait anymore. Sometimes we wait. I'm waiting for a burning bush. I'm waiting for the God to speak to me in a burning bush. Well. What are you going to do while you're waiting for the burning bush? Just do it. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 4 says, those who stand around waiting for something to happen never get anything done. Those that just regard the clouds never get anything done. Can I tell you this? There's never a perfect condition to start something. I'm a great procrastinator. If I can do anything tomorrow, just ask my wife. I will do it tomorrow can you fix this? Let me do it tomorrow. Can you fix the remote? Can you fix the internet? Let me do this tomorrow. I'm a great person to put something off. But in the kingdom, God is calling us not to be like that. Those that stand around waiting for something to happen never get anything done. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 4. I'll do it when I get around to it. No, no, no. Now is the time. Now is the time. So just quickly as we finish. What do we need in CCC? We are looking for one group on every compound to help disciple each other. We want everybody to be connected to the church in some way every day of the week. We're looking for new small group leaders who have a heart for discipleship, a heart for shepherding, who are prepared to do what Paul is asking us to do to help disciple uh, one another. And we're looking for servant leaders there's many different kinds of leaders. Um, I'll finish with this. <laughs> There's the positional leader. Maxwell talks about this. Level one leader, positional leader. Maybe you have a boss like this. I hope not. Um, but basically, you only do, you follow them because of what they say, because you have to. You follow them because it's your job and they're your manager. That's level one leadership. Level two is moderately inspiring. Um, You've got some stakeholding into the vision, uh, but still there's the boss telling you what to do. Right up to level five, which is the model that Jesus gives us of servant leadership. Greater love than this has no man than he who lays down his life for his friends. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and a good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. That's the highest form of leadership. Servant leadership. Serving one another. Serving the people that we lead. Serving the gospel. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. Are you prepared to follow his example? To follow him? Are you prepared to respond to the call to make disciples of all nations? Shall we pray? Maybe this is the first time that you've heard that Jesus is calling you. You haven't realized that Jesus is calling you to a work. He's calling you to to be with him, ultimately, to be like him. Maybe you've been doing things your own way, and you would like to respond to his call, just as he made to the fishermen 2,000 years ago. And if that's you today, you want to respond to his call for the first time, then just say this prayer in your heart after me. Father, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. Take away my sin. The punishment that I deserved, you took on. Come into my life. Thank you for calling me. I respond to your call. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. If that's you today, you just said that prayer, would you do something for me so that I can pray for you at home, I'm not going to involve you in the service or point you out. But would you just lift your hand up and take it down again? It's just so that I can pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? It's just, just between you and God's. Thank you. I've seen you. Just so that Jesus has heard your prayer, He's heard the cry of your heart. He knows that He's coming into your life right now, He's changing you, He's giving you His nature. As you're responding to his call, he's given you a new life, a new heart, a new vision, a new plan. You're going to soar like eagles. You're not going to be with the rats anymore. He's calling to you a whole new purpose. Father, I thank you for those who have responded and are now in your kingdom. I pray that as they follow you, you will make them disciples, and you will help them to disciple others into relationship with you, the highest calling that you have given us, the great challenge. Bless them mightily today in Jesus' name as they step towards you. And for us as the church, I pray that we would respond to your call to make disciples of all nations. That we would go and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you today for this amazing calling that you have placed on our lives for significance. That our lives matter, not because of who we are, not because of our achievements, not because of what we have done, but because of what you have done. And because you have called us out of darkness into your amazing light. Father, we thank you today. We worship you. We honor you. We fall at your feet, Jesus. Help us to follow you more passionately, more intentionally, more closely than ever before. We want to walk with you daily, Jesus. We don't want a wedding. We want a marriage. We want a day-by-day experience with you, walking with you. We want to hear from you every day, Lord. I pray your blessing upon each and every person here in this church today. And I pray that as we respond to your call, that we would step forward into leadership and help disciple other people and respond to the challenge of your message to make disciples of people here in this city. In Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.